0: Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing, so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from Innovabuzz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this Innovabuzz podcast.
1: Choice never stops. And as much as that can feel whelmful to people, that constant availability of making choice is actually the the most freeing thing that you can have in this life. Because what that means is that the choice you made is not the choice you have to keep making.
0: Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. If you haven't listened yet to my recent conversations with Arjun Sen of Zen Mango and with serial entrepreneur, author and speaker Pete Martin, then check them out after you've listened to today's conversation, of course. I'm really excited today to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest Paul Socket, a professional actor, storyteller and voice artist. Paul is a coach holding space for others to explore the story their physical stuff is telling and how they can claim their space in alignment with their truth. He helps people write bios and copy that they can connect with and are excited to share instead of ticking the boxes, the terminology boxes and simply getting it out of the way. Paul is a nomad, a writer, and a creator exploring places and ways to invite curiosity and listening to our intuition. In our discussion today, Paul talked to me about how the stuff we collect and store defines the stories we tell about ourselves. We talked about gathering information versus answers and proof of opinion. And we observed that choice is always available. Without further ado, then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Paul Socket. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome today to the Innova Buzz podcast all the way from Mau. I think that might be the wrong pronunciation, but we'll clarify that in a moment. Faro in Portugal. Paul Socket. He's a coach and a workshop leader, a storyteller and creator. He's also a professional actor and a voiceover artist, so or a voice artist. So that's going to be really interesting on our podcast. Welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast, Paul. It's a real privilege to have you here as my guest.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to our conversation.
0: What's the pronunciation of where you are in Portugal? <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, as as a a nomad slash wandering person, I'm actually not importing now anymore. Right. Uh, I'm now north of Portugal, still in Portugal, but north of Portugal call, uh, in a place called Alcubasa, which is close to uh, Nazare, which is where the world's largest waves have been recorded, I'm told. Big surf yeah. competitions,
0: yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll be exciting to watch. I, I suspect Um, I, I wouldn't want to go in the water there. Now, <laughs> Jeff Jeff Harry, who was our guest on episode 428 of the Buzz podcast, suggested that we have a conversation with you, Paul, and he introduced us, so big hello to Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Now, one of the things you talk about, and we had a chat the other day, that you're all about deepening connection to others and to the self, as well as aligning with value-based choices. And I know one of the things you say on your website is that we all have a story, but sometimes they're hard to tell, or we find it hard to tell, and even harder to accept sometimes. So. I'm really looking forward to exploring that in some more detail. Before we do that though, what impact are you making in the world? Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Uh, it's a great question.
1: I, there's, Cause impact is all part of this reframing that I'm trying to do for myself and to invite others to do, which is to um, relinquish the need for impact. Um, but the impact that I'm having is inviting people to not put as much pressure on the scale of the impact that they have Mm. because every person has impact whatever they do say however they show up in the world there is some ripple that happens as a result of that but we're told that impact is this global shift change the world get into space first you know that kind of thing
3: (laughs)
0: yeah well it's a little bit like innovation um, in some ways because it's kind of, you know, if you make a slight improvement to something you do every day, to me, that's innovation. Um, And, you know, if you're resourceful in solving a problem, that's innovation. And yet some people see innovation as, you know, totally disrupting an industry, like uh, the internet is innovation or um, going into space is innovation. And so it's the same thing, isn't it? So people say, I want to be innovative. They sort of look for this big thing. Right,
1: right. Yeah, I think because on that scaled sort of um, perception of impact um, is that it means that our choices are actually more limited because the things we've got to choose to do have got to be more significant in order to have a mm. bigger impact. But actually, just as you were saying, n- new doesn't necessarily have to mean sort of life changing.
3: Mm.
1: New, new is just different. and so if, So if we scale it down to our own personal needs, we have a much wider array of choices and so the the change the innovation can be like you say just a small thing of you know not having coffee in the morning and trying tea you know and and gathering the information that comes from that because the more habits we get into and the longer those habits go on for the less we consciously choose that thing each time we do it
3: Hmm. that's
0: right and and it's kind of. I'm a big fan of um, James Clear and the Atomic Habit, so he uses that in a positive sense to say, "Well, do the little things and just repeat those, and over time that will compound, and it will become unconscious, and so uh, therefore you will have changed the behaviour for the better." But of course, that um, if you take that flip side, that can also, you know, the the danger is you can also fall into bad behaviour by just taking on those little things and, and letting them go.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, it's really interesting because I, I try not to use good and bad as descriptors <laughs> yeah. because actually it just There's gets to second. be, yep. yeah, <laughs> well, it just gets to be an unconscious. Mm. And that's the point of having a habit. You know, we, we cannot exist in the world where everything we experience is new every time because well would be too much. We'd be uh, too stimulated and we wouldn't be able to function in the world. So I get it. Habits are a thing that we do to allow us to compartmentalize certain parts of our life, to allow us to live. And there is the the perspective of habit, which means that the less conscious we have to be for that thing to happen. So we aren't necessarily choosing it. We are adopting convenience. We're adopting safety. We're adopting something that we know works. That's
0: certainty.
3: Hmm.
1: Right, exactly, yeah. So there's 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 a fear around uncertainty. Hmm. But the thing is the difference between certainty and uncertainty, they they aren't polar opposites. Yeah. You know, you and can also, be yeah, go on.
0: And also we want variety in in many ways too, which is uncertainty.
1: Right, yes, yeah. And that's the paradox. Is yeah. is this it's and this is why I work with people um around their physical stuff. Which, which is tied to their internal stuff um, because we are caught in this, this this forced dichotomy of of shame and scarcity hmm. of you don't have enough or you must have more, you know why don't you have enough and and you don't have enough and it's hmm. and it's terrifying because it really requires everybody to be in that space in the middle in order to shape people It's to, to in order to affect the bottom line yeah Um and so that's that's where I come in <laughs> and I have an impact because what I offer people is a chance to notice the story that they're trying to tell through the stuff that they have mm mm-hmm because there is often a a difference between what's true for them in this moment and the identity that they're trying to provide evidence for through their physical stuff.
3: Hmm.
1: And through stuff like words, words are really important. They are parts of the stuff that we have because every word we choose has been um, conditioned and has been shaped through our lived experience through the familial conditioning, the the places we've worked, the people we've been friends with, all of those factors, all the media that we've consumed. So the the words we choose provide evidence of an identity that we want the world to see of us. Mm. And I get it because that's that's societal conditioning in a nutshell. (laughs) It's trying to make us choose an identity that other people will see us as, whether that's true or not. Mm. which is safety which is certainty which is yeah. all of those things right and, and so we find habit within those systems which are not bad or good they are just it's information so what i do is i go there are no answers there's only information so what information can you gather from this experience and it really it, it, it's mind-blowing to see people's responses they go Wait what? <laughs> I I don't need the answer all I need to do is gather information and make mm. a choice in the present. What? <laughs> and it's it's amazing because you see this 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 flower kind of start to open.
3: Mm.
1: And and a flower has to open in order to, you know, to to live further, to propagate and to allow Insects to come and, you know, pollinate and all of these beautiful things. Mm. But there is a safety that comes with, now I'm I'm a flower. You can tell I'm a tulip without opening.
3: Mm. Yeah.
1: Right? But it means that mm. there is no vulnerability there because, well, I'm showing you what I am. When actually that might not be true. Like you might open up and you might be a Venus flytrap. Mm. It's not a good or a bad thing. It's just, we <laughs> get to change. It is, Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah. Fascinating metaphor. Um, I'd I'd like to come back to the story idea and this idea of um, connecting story to things, what we have, what we collect. (laughs) I'm probably a hoarder of the best quality. Uh, I imagine that as a digital nomad, you probably have minimized the amount of stuff you collect over the years and um, you can fit it all into a backpack. To make it easy to go from one place to another, um, tell us a little bit more about this idea of you know we, we collect stuff to kind of prove a story right or to to build this story or persona that we show to the world outside
2: so So a personal example that I always use is um books
1: now i 'm not oh. a huge reader, but when I became a professional actor 16 years ago. I my identity that had been shaped when I was a kid was that I needed to be helpful in order to be valid. Being useful validated me in the relationships that I had, in the family that I was in, in the school that I was in, the, you know, all of those different facets. And so as I grow up, that sort of it stays the same, the root is the same, but the way it manifests can be different. And so, when I chose to be an actor, my my sort of descriptors that I was trying to fulfil were to be professional, to be prepared, and to be
2: ready, just just to be there, right. So I wasn't mm-hmm. like uncertain, <laughs> right. But if someone was
3: yeah. going to
1: put a play on, I had a copy of that play.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: If if a friend of mine needed help, you know, they had an audition for a play and I have a copy of it, I'm providing evidence that I'm helpful and useful, which validates the relationship. So this, I mean, this amounted to over 600 books. I'm not a big reader, Jürgen. Mm. I haven't read many of those books, but there came a point where I, I have at least six big storage boxes, and I'm a, I am ai have great spatial arrangement skills. So those books were packed well. <laughs> and
2: I've just got this tower of boxes. So I can't even really see the books, but I know I have them. And if someone needs one, then I'm ready.
3: Mm.
1: And there must have come a point, there must have come a point where I acquired a 600 and something book and it wouldn't fit in one of these boxes, right? I needed a shoebox or something to put this one book in and something just changed. And I went,
2: this doesn't feel good the discomfort of keeping that story going of providing evidence for that for that story that I was trying to tell was outweighed by the discomfort of keeping telling that story hmm so so it it started
1: so my intuitive self started to go um this doesn't feel good. Whereas before, shame and scarcity had been loud. And then going, this is what you got to do. I mean, you know, we get to the point where, have you got enough books? Will people think you are professional, prepared, ready enough if you've only got 599 books? And then there's the other part, the shaming part, which goes, you have acquired 599 books. Like you shouldn't have that many books. But I mean, if you got rid of them now, you've, you've wasted time, energy, space, logistical skills. You've, you've wasted all of these forms of energy on these things. So you might as well keep them. So now I'm stuck with this thing. But then this one book just went, my intuitive self went, that's enough now. Like, that's yeah. not true. <laughs> and, and I heard it for the first time. And, I, and it didn't mean that I just went, oh, yeah, brilliant. I'm now an enlightened being. I went oh no oh no something is wrong because (laughs) I've been tying to this story all this time so I procrastinated
2: I did all the things
1: I tried to justify tried to validate I, I was like just get rid of them all
2: but I didn't because shame and scarcity was still there they don't go away and that meant that I had to find a
1: way I was invited into that space to find a way, and I chose to find a way that was low stakes that was vulnerable without being at risk it meant softness, it meant receiving it meant um self care and choice so i so I chose to go through my books and find one book that the shame and scarcity voices were not the, were not as loud and I found one, eventually. <laughs> you know, I might, I might have forgotten where I got it from. It's maybe a bit battered because it's been in the storage box for so long or maybe I bought it like that. I don't know. So the, the emotional and factual attachment to that thing was lessened. And so I went, oh, this one, because the intuitive, so I went,
2: this one. Hm. like, so okay, oh, okay. Let's just stop there for a second. So I donated this, this book. I was terrified that the truth was, the energy that i had pumped
1: into this book by buying it, keeping it, storing it, moving it, not reading it but knowing that I have it, was gonna be gone. I'd give the book away and all of that energy would go. I gave it away, and what I noticed was that wasn't true. I retained the energy that I'd given to this book. The book was gone but my energy stayed and what that happened and what happened was that energy then gets redistributed amongst everything Mm -hmm. else that I own so that so the amount of energy that each item gets is minimal but it's different it becomes a new book now because there's a different way of seeing it because there's different energy to it so this process was gradual and as I did that I got to gather information rather than finding answers I got to gather the information of noticing which books made me feel worst hmm. <laughs> and which books didn't feel as you know existential crisis see and so i get to tie the threads together i get to notice the information and form some little data points and go okay this feels true for that and this feels true for that and i also realize that by getting rid of everything in one go i'm going did it i'm absolved of all shame <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to do that. The experience would have been very different Mm. if I just, right, well, I'm just gonna get rid of everything then, that solves the problem. But by realizing that that wouldn't be the case, I had to reframe the way I was approaching this because in my head, the result was, have no books left at the end. Like what you're doing is a really low stakes way of getting rid of every book you own. And I realized that, that didn't feel good to me because I, there were some books that I really wanted to keep. I knew that deep down. My intuitive self went, this book you keep. You mm. you'll love this book for whatever reason. So I was like, oh, well, if, if I'm adopting the process of finding the low stakes way of just getting rid of everything, then I'm going to feel shame at the end regardless because I'll have kept five books because my intuitive self went, yeah, this, this you're vibing with this book still. This book still feels exciting
2: and, and great and you love it and whatever the reasons. So I'm like, oh. So there is, so the destination becomes different. The destination al- almost vanishes.
1: I was like, well, what's the common denominator then? Like, what's the way in which I adopt this process? It has to be choice that I choose every item that I keep
2: and i choose every item i don't keep that way i stay in the present and i'm not affected by the past
1: and future wise the past you know the past why is um well this is why you got it in the first place and that's important and the future wise this is why you should continue to keep it because you'll be a bad person if you don't get rid of it you know if you do get rid of it you'll be a bad, you'll be Um, wasteful, you'll be selfish, you'll be all of these things. But the present why just takes the information that you have in that moment, because there are no answers, and allows you to make a choice based on your needs and your wants. And it's so powerful because it means that it's not about the keeping or the not keeping. It's about aligning with the story that we had and the story we were trying to provide to others. Because mm. I learned that I I could be professional, I can be ready and prepared without the
0: books. Mm. So how did how did that change your life? Or um, you know, you, you talked a little bit about the story there at the end, but how did it like? How did that manifest itself in your life, your relationships, your your the work you were doing, the acting, whatever you know. impacted that story
2: I was I was able to step into spaces with people be
1: in rehearsals or performances or just friendships and family relationships
2: with more awareness of the way I was showing up there's something about rehearsals for a show it's kind of labeled as as a safe space that that
1: a lot of people have issue with like, inviting people in to see an open rehearsal hmm. because it's a vulnerable space and it's true there is a vulnerability that happens in a rehearsal room and, and and i'm sure this happens in you know meetings and things before going in to do the big presentation there is a vulnerability that exists because we have to lay claim to things that we care about and our interpretations of character and scenario and interrelations with human beings as well as the characters they're playing And there's the part of me that is the professional actor who's come in here and I'm standing in front of a director who can potentially affect my career in front of other actors who I may not resonate with the way they perform. I may not resonate with their character
2: choices. I may not resonate with them as a human being. But there is a pressure that it's all networking. that I have to show up in a space as Paul Socket professional actor
1: and be a good human who's outgoing, who's caring, but also like serious about his acting. Like I have to play all these roles before mm. even trying to play the role that I've been employed <laughs> to play. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a million miles away from the present because all the filters I've got in place are, are weighing on the future. Like, this is why you should be a good actor. This is why you should be a good friend. This is why you should be a good team player. And I'm like, that's exhausting. It's exhausting. Hmm. And it's terrifying because it means that if I choose to honestly show up in that space as poor socket human being, poor socket human being, not poor socket professional actor, it means that potentially there is... Or should I say there are going to be more opportunities for me to say difficult words that I might not agree with someone, but I know I've got to tour with this person for six months. So I've got the choice of being in a space with that person and saying, hey, I would love a conversation because I don't agree with this. And I'd love to navigate how we interact within this shared space together, because that's really important to me. Or I can tolerate that person without saying anything and adopt all forms of behavior, like not being in the same room for too long, not going to the pub if I know they're going, all of these things for six months. Mm -hmm. I I protect them. I sacrifice my own human needs, because ultimately they are the only things that we can ever sacrifice without the need of anybody else. So I can sacrifice my self and social connection, my sleep, this you know, productivity, right? we sacrifice sleep, we sacrifice sustenance, food and water because we uh, uh, work during our lunch break, and um, shelter. We will not go home, you know we'll work late because you know cause work I could work at home, but I, but it's easier to work at work, even though you meant, might mean you go home and you can get a good meal, and then you can do some work and so we just sacrifice there's the only things we can. So why should I sacrifice all of my human needs for six months just to protect somebody else who I don't agree with?
3: Mm.
2: I I was doing that for years. And I just, I just said, that's, that's exhausting. I'm not able to show up as a human being. I'm also not able to show up as an actor and a teammate or a boyfriend because I'm too conscious of the WhatsApp group and
1: the turn up at 10 o'clock or turn up a little bit earlier because like they arrive a little bit later and I want to get there before that. I'm like, no, no. (laughs) So so it changed my life in a big way because it meant that Mm. I start to see relationships from, from an in to out perspective rather than an out to in where I hope that everyone thinks I'm a nice person. Whereas the, the knowledge is, I know I'm a nice person. I know I'm a values-led human being who is able to say difficult words with love and care and grace and patience. And I'm curious and I'm interested. But if my adopt if I adopt the process of trying to protect that person, I instantly sort of negate all of those qualities.
3: Hmm.
0: So it's it's kind of like you know the things that we collect in some ways build our story, and if we're Aware of that, and we grow our self awareness, it can have this sort of impact where suddenly we're seeing the world differently. So, I mean, we can't impact other people's behavior or values or belief system, but we can impact our responses to it. And as you say, the way we interact with them in terms of whether we tolerate things that we don't agree with or whether we say, hey, let's. Talk about this because we've got to navigate this together and we can do this in either a way that's painful for both of us or, or we can do it in a way that, and maybe there's some compromise, but in a way that actually works for both of us.
2: Yeah. I think, well, I,
1: this is, this is the corporate world. This is the political world. This is mm. the social media world where we're told to pick a side. Hmm. That if they, if they're there, and I don't agree. I've got to choose where on that spectrum I I am. You know, this is why, like, especially American politics is yeah. confusing oh, yeah. to me because you sort of go there's the left and the right, and then you like center left and center right, and there's this <laughs> navigation of hmm. the people at the extremes are the people who choose the definition because as extreme as they go, everything else has to be proportionate.
3: Hmm.
0: Well, the, I mean that. That is a really interesting thing, and I'm going have to be careful not to go down this rabbit hole of politics, but I will say this one thing that um to me what I don't understand, and it seems to be getting more and more I mean you talk about this polarization you now you've got sort of the the extreme right, the extreme left, um even less than that where you've got you know the moderate right, the moderate left as they call them so the the thing that really puzzles me is that certainly in the US definitely in Australia um, the politicians the people in power seem to have lost the moral compass and the, the service mentality that hey we're public servants we're here to do our best for the country for the people in the country and yes we might have this philosophy or we might have that philosophy but they don't kind of start off with what's what's best in my view based on my philosophy and values for the country that i'm running what they have is okay i'm going to take a stand on principle with this thing and then if i'm on the right then the left says oh i have to oppose that i oppose that so they don't question oh Actually, that might be a good idea. No, sorry, I'm on the other side of politics. I oppose that. And you know that every it doesn't matter which side of politics people are on. There's sort of somebody says something, the other side goes against it. You know, we're seeing this play out in the in the pandemic beautifully now. You know, one one side saying, "Oh, we've got to get everybody vaccinated." Oh no, vaccination is bad. Uh, we've got to wear masks. I know masks are bad, yeah. so cool. nobody kind of looks at the point. Well, let's figure out the best way to go through this situation we're in, and how we can keep everybody safe, and how we can minimise the negative impact. Then, right.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I, well, yeah, and I think um,
2: there's
1: a very simple way of diverting away from politics. Because I agree, <laughs> and that was yeah. that was merely an example, but. But it it works exactly the same within the corporate world Hmm. um, and within families and within romantic relationships
2: that societally we are conditioned by gender. I I am a white man of privilege. Hmm. I cannot speak
1: to and I do not understand a lot of things that go on in the world, but I try my best to be educated about those things, yeah, which means that I don't know the answers, but I've gathered some information, and it means that I can show up in a space in a conversation with someone who may be whom may, may identify as queer um, who uh, you know maybe of uh, ethnicity that isn't white, and I get to be curious about that rather than go, okay you're you know we've added to politics again is <laughs> 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 politics but right so let's take a romantic relationship as an example Okay, i've collected stuff be it physical stuff um vocabulary stuff like the words i choose to use um, beliefs that's stuff hmm. and i bring that as an as an individual into a relationship
2: And so the other person in the relationship has the same and the venn diagram is then what we do
1: we we Mm -hmm. choose to share a space together be that um literally in in the relationship or we choose to move in together and we share a, a shared physical space now what we've been told to do is that sacrifice is bad so what we do is we we both slot within this smaller circle in the middle of the two b- cross-secting, bisecting circles. And now it's a bit of a battle and a shifting compromise to go, how do I keep more of my stuff in here <laughs> than the other person? Because I'm told that sacrifice is bad. I'm told that weakness is giving away things. Right. I'm told that negotiation is... um that give and take is the paradigm that if Mm. i give you something you have to take it and my measurement of what that means of the weight of that thing of the of, of of what you then owe me is probably different how that person has valued what you've given them and and how much they owe you in return so as that progresses, and we're dealing with lots of different things in this shared, smaller space, we, are, we get further and further away from the fact that the, the central space is not for two full individuals to exist within. It's for two individuals to create a new shared space. That is not a win or lose. That is not a lose or win. But it's a win-win. Mm -hmm. I might enter that space with a different expectation, like a visual expectation of what I think that looks like, the shared space. And so might the other person. But what there is an opportunity to do is to talk about it and to break it down into the commonalities. Because the exact nature of it is actually irrelevant. It's the thing that we tie to that thing. Of having time together rather than well, I want to watch a movie together and I want to go out and do something outside together. The actual vision of that is irrelevant. The key point that we can both share is that we want to spend time together at least once a week, whatever.
0: Hmm. Yeah, well, one of the the things I know, you know, that's kind of fascinating because I think that can play out in, in all relationships I mean you talk about a romantic relationship but one of the things I was thinking as you're describing the overlaps and the give and take type um, attitude or philosophy that that we often hear about in these relationships is it's very much you know if you're um, from a marketing point of view you're talking to an audience that you're presenting something to then often there's that same dynamic comes into it doesn't it rather than that attitude of let's create this shared space together, something that's a win-win. One of the things you mentioned, and and I know you're really strong on this, is that the words, the words we use there, and and certainly in in relationships, in um, romantic relationships, (laughs) I think words um, can be very hurtful, and um, we kind of forget that perhaps um, we can take a step back there and be better have better choices in the words we use. Um, so talk to us a little bit more about you know, the words we use and the weight they carry, and how you how you go about kind of
2: helping people to understand that and improve in their communication. Yeah, words are key because we used to we used to
1: communicate with uh, paintings and gesture. And then words were developed. Okay, fine. But everyone
2: has a different definition of every word that exists based on their lived experience. Patience
1: is is a word, right? And I I have a definition of that word, and you have a definition of that word. And say we come into a space where we we're having a conversation and you're doing a task and i want you to do it quicker my patience is low <laughs> right <laughs> and you and you ask me to be patient
3: hmm. now
1: we both have patience as our key connector but my version of patience and your version of patience is different so hmm. i might ask you and this is something that everyone can try is to ask the other person how they define or what they mean by that
2: word. Because this is the difference between being past and future or present. Because I might hear a word from you, and if I'm using my past and future,
1: I'm like, well, this is my experience of this word, so this is how I define this word.
2: And the future is what I expect from this uh, conversation, from this interaction. But I'm hearing that
1: word through my own filter of what my definition of that word is. Mm. So I start to hear every other word that you're saying in a different way, because the context is through my lens, not yours. So the simplest way that we can practice staying uh, conscious and present in in any conversation is to ask that person to define, to share what they mean by that specific word and say, because I want to hear that word through your lens, not mine. It's so empowering Hmm. for someone to feel heard and to be honored in that way. Because what it means is, I, I may have never thought about it, I may have never thought, what what is my definition of patience? So I might go, oh, uh, well, I think patience is blah. And then go, oh, I, I don't, I want to change the word because that's actually in the context of this conversation, that's not what I mean. Hmm. So what we do is we're not telling someone they're wrong, but we're giving someone the opportunity to choose the word they mean. Because, because commitment and loyalty is is branding, right? That's kind of what we're taught yeah, yeah. As a consumer and a customer, well, we're taught that loyalty is key. Yeah. So as soon as we say a word, we've planted our flag and we've gone, this is the word that I'm using.
0: Well, in some sense, they're, they're kind of labels, aren't they? They're convenient labels for something. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like, um, I don't know, um, let's say, well, colour is a good one. I've got um this document in front of me that uh, came in the mail today and it's got um some orange um advertising on it. Now, other person might look at that and say it's red, it's light red. So, you know, th- that's another label that we give. You know, we say, well, there's a colour now, um, you know, I might be colour blind, somebody else might be colour blind. And, and so we give it different labels because it's what we see through our lens, like you say. Right. So they're just in some ways, if we can kind of recognise that they're labels, because I know, you know, know I've been in conversations like this where you know it gets a little bit heated and um, it's, but you said. (laughs) Right, right. That's that's not what I meant.
2: (laughs) Right, yeah, Mm. yeah,
1: evidence. Mm. Gather answers, not information.
3: Mm.
2: By gathering an answer and evidence, by going, but you said, Hmm. what we're we're
1: preventing someone from doing is from making a new choice. Because because they may genuinely mean I didn't mean that, but rom-com films have shaped us to believe that someone saying I didn't mean that is either someone trying to get out of something or trying to at worst gaslight someone that they are wrong. So we're instantly in the place of right and wrong, mm. and we're at either end and we're trying to defend each side. Whereas there is no such thing as right and wrong. I'm going to put that out there. There's no <laughs> such thing as right and wrong Be- yeah. because everyone's valuation system, everyone's way
2: of working that out is different. Mm. So it can't, it can't exist.
3: Yeah.
2: And yeah, it's yeah we can interpretation. It. We
0: talked about polar opposites before. I mean, there's a, there's a continuum of, I mean, I not you know, right and wrong is probably like good and bad. You know, they're, they're words that yeah. are pretty meaningless, really. But in terms of, let's say, to take color again as a, as a metaphor, you can say red and green um, are diff, completely different colors, but, you know, there might be something like a, a plant. Uh, might have green leaves, but it's actually somewhere in that continuum between red and green because there's a mix of different colors there and and In some ways a lot of these things are not you know, there's no Right and wrong. It's somewhere. There's a continuum somewhere
2: Yeah, it's a it's a very vulnerable space To allow for new information to change our mind
3: mm
1: because we might have a leaf that is green and red. And if I've chosen that it's more green than red, and you've chosen that it's more red than green, the conversation gets away from what we were actually talking about, which is what plant is this? Hmm. Eh? So, and then we're taught that concession means that. It means conceding the point. It means you lose. Yeah. that that winning and losing is a thing. Winning and losing isn't a thing. It's a social structure. Hmm. So if we can relinquish the need for victory or loss, it means that we have a playing field, that it becomes a game rather than a competition.
3: Hmm.
1: And we play games for fun. So I can be curious about you which needs trust, it needs some vulnerable things. I need to, we need to together build that trust that I will believe what you say. And that I trust that you will be able to step into that vulnerable space. And so that fluctuates. So we get to choose from relationship to relationship, from interaction to interaction, how much we want to be vulnerable. And that's okay. But if we're consciously trying to avoid being vulnerable at all, that's very different because that's not a present choice. That's a past and future. Why? Vulnerability. I learned that vulnerability is bad because it means danger, it means fear, it means punishment, it means all of these things. And the future is like, well, you sh- you should never be vulnerable <laughs> because that way you you have more chance of succeeding. You have blah 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 blah, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But to step into that space and go, I'm going to practice vulnerability from where my energy sits, from where my emotions sit in this moment with the person that I'm with, taking factual context into, into consideration is, is where engaged, honest conversation happens. And it's a beautiful place to be in.
2: And some people aren't there yet. Some people aren't able to do that. And that's okay. Because
1: if you're listening to this and you go, that, that I mean, that, that's impossible. Like he's lying. He's, you know, if all of these feelings come up and all of these stories come up, it's okay. Like you're doing exactly what you've been conditioned to do from day dot. Right? So the revolutionary act is to say, I want to make a choice. It's huge mm. and it's such a beautiful thing to see people engage with.
3: Mm.
0: And I think the the there's a shift in mindset that comes with that, isn't there? Because we always have a choice and we always have control over the choice. I have control over the choice I make. I don't have control over what goes on around me. Um for example, we're just entering another lockdown here. Um and our holiday for next week has been has to get cancelled and this is the second time this same holiday got cancelled through that okay. thing. Now, some people might then say, I mean I've had a moment of regret today again and, and thinking, Oh, not again. But then, you know, I step out of that and I say, Well, there's nothing I can do about that. Because it's outside of my control, but what I can do is say, okay, my choice. What are my choices now? How can I deal with this? You know, and right. and of course that involves my wife, because it was supposed to be our fortieth wedding anniversary. Oh. But that of course has has gone and passed well yeah. <laughs> a while ago. So so there's two of us involved. So obviously we we are having conversations now. But um, and while whilst we do. Uh, slag off on on people that we feel are responsible for this Um, we are also saying okay what are our choices now what what do we do yeah so you know it, it it's kind of empowering when you take change your approach to say well yes I'm sad that that's happened but I can't do anything about that I can do something about my choice
1: right that's the only thing you ever have agency over regardless of whatever is happening, you only ever have choice mm. that you, that you never, we, we can choose to relinquish that. But even in in that, you know, some, a boss might tell us to do something yeah. and rather than have that conversation, we do it. We're still making a choice of how we feel about it. Yeah. We're still making right. a choice of how, of what we say in our heads about that thing. We're still mm. making a choice of who we're going to call after work. To rant and rave about <laughs> it, right, so choice never stops, and as much as that can feel whelmful to people, that constant availability of making choice is actually the the most freeing thing that you can have in this mm. life, because what that means is that the choice you made is not the choice you have to keep making. Mm. That the word you said, you get to say, I choo- I'm choosing a different word.
3: Hmm.
1: And even just using that word more, like in that context, I said, I didn't say I'm going to make a new decision. Yeah. Cause actually I, I don't use the word decision. I use the word choice. We can, that's, that's another conversation, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm choosing another word rather than I didn't mean that. Hmm. It's it's something we can practice that's really low stakes. It might weird some people out because that's not normally how people will convey that, but that doesn't matter Hmm. because it's all about the internal choice. It's all about the in-to-out energy rather than the I need to appease or please or support this person.
0: It does sound a lot different um, because, you know, if you say to me, well, if I get defensive about something you've said and you then say to me, that's not what i meant it's almost it's almost uh that feels like you're saying well i mean the next logical comment and this is what it feels like is you misunderstood me right, right. so put it back on the other person you didn't understand what i meant and if you say oh okay let me choose a different way to say that that feels so much softer, and it it it's pointing back at you. It's not then pointing at me,
2: right? Yeah, yeah. Blame, right? Mm.
1: Because it's all about who's at fault, who wins, who loses. Yeah. <laughs> so so if we if we remove that blame, this is why I said it meant, uh, it requires trust, mm. because I I can practice. I am not responsible. Here's a here's a key thing that I uh, I tend to. Back,
2: come back to which is i'm not responsible for the reactions of others it's really important to mean that doesn't mean i
1: get to be a sociopath that doesn't mean i get to be selfish it doesn't mean i get to do that you know be cruel what it means is, is that i don't have to take responsibility for how you feel about me being truthful that's the key point If I'm sharing my truth, then it's not coming from a place of affectation. It's not coming from a place of manipulation. It's not coming from any of these insidious methods that we can use to affect someone's choice, words, feelings, actions, or any of those things. If it's true to me in this moment, then I am not responsible for your response. Because if it brings up something for you, it's okay. You didn't lose at feelings. This is what I think. We, I think we feel that we've we've lost the feelings game because we yeah. feel sad and vulnerable and fearful and all of these things. They're not bad feelings. They're really yeah. it intuitive back,
0: feelings. Hmm. It comes back to that idea of choice, doesn't it? You're not responsible for my choices, but at the same time, I think you know one of the things I have adopted over the last ten or so years is that my communication, the way that's received by another person, is actually my responsibility. Their, re- their reaction is not my responsibility, but how they receive it is my responsibility. So if, and I'm doing air quotes here, if they <laughs> misunderstand me, <laughs> that's on me.
1: I, th- I think that's where the, the transition is. I think there's, that's where the line is that can get mm. a bit blurry. Because if we build that trustful relationship, I get to trust that that person will acknowledge that they, they're not too sure about it. Mm. We can sense when someone's on the, on the fence of understanding or not understanding. <laughs> like we can mm. see it. We can feel it. We're, we're empathetic. We can do that. But we have to trust that person will go, that doesn't feel clear to me. Can you say it another way or can you be clearer? And then we get the choice of either using different words or, you know, shaping that sentence and still in alignment with our feelings. Right. Because we're being given an invitation to be honest or being given an invitation to tailor our words to help that person. Get it to understand it. To come along with us on that. And that's where it gets a bit icky. That's where it gets a bit kind of confusing because we're being generous, we're being kind, and we're saying kind of what we meant. Hmm. So, you know, that's where yeah. it gets a bit blurry.
0: Yeah, I guess, well, there's, I mean, there's, there's some differences there in terms of, you know, it's not that, okay, I want to be kind here. I don't want to hurt your feelings. It's, about here's the message I want to convey, this is how I understand the message, if by your reaction I'm seeing that I don't think I conveyed the message in a way that I mean it. So then then I've got to take responsibility for the communication. That doesn't mean to say that um I want to be kinder because your response was angry or or um sad or whatever that means i want to make the communication such that whatever value i wanted to add to you through that communication i can actually achieve that and that may be that i have to tell you hey here's something i don't like about you
2: <laughs> right um,
0: But I'm doing that from the the point of view, you know, know, and we're talking relationships here, so I'm doing that from the point of view of I want to add value. Mm. Yeah. You and to the relationship. I don't know. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, and I I think that value is a really key word as well because I think value societally, what we, again, this is down to definitions and and Mm. understanding, right, is that value is a very key corporatized word. Yeah, like it's tied to return on investment. It's tied to um, uh, relationships and networking, and all of this thing that leads to like a future result hmm. or a validation of doing something or not doing something. So, I so value might work for you as that as that wording to you know it being in a interaction with somebody hmm. else. I I would use honoring.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I Actually, I agree with you. I think honouring is probably a better word, and and one I use quite often is also serving.
1: Yeah, again, that's a really
3: interesting one. Yeah, to yeah. Be, to yeah be that's
0: up, yeah. It. That's a tricky. That's a tricky one too. Being of service, exactly. Yeah, yeah rather than serving. So as opposed to you know, I, I'll bring you something to serve you. Hmm.
1: Right. So this is this is where if I'm making assumptions about what that person or that company or that potential customer needs and wants, then I'm not, I'm not being of service. I'm providing a service. Mm. So what I'm doing is I'm I'm shaping the space for something to exist where that might not be what the person needs or wants, but, but I'm telling I'm using their cues. I'm using their feedback on surveys. I'm using their facial expressions. I'm using all of these factors using my filter mm. of what I think those muscle twitches in their face mean as something that I think they need. So th- there's a difference. So in the coaching world, and I'm relatively new to the coaching world, but my, my girlfriend is, you know, she's, she's been a coach for a long, long time and what i've witnessed is that there are people who are coaches who are people who whose desire is to be of service through holding space for people to explore whatever they need to explore and there are people who call themselves coaches who are people who create products Mm. the seven steps to success the get a thousand people in your networking funnel in your email list in your xyz
2: when i see those i don't see someone who's a coach i see someone who is a salesperson mm. and there's
1: there's no right or wrong there's no good bad about that i mean i have i have thoughts and opinions mm. but it's when it's framed within the language of wanting to be of service is where my intuitive self starts to go, I don't feel good. I feel like there is some, I don't believe that this person who's created this thing has lived this experience, Mm -hmm. has lived this, you know, like I've created my streamlining system based on a circular economy, because those are things I really love and I'm passionate about. And I've experienced this process and found this way of doing it. And there are people creating the seven steps, the 10 steps, the 16 steps, the you know, lose 20 pounds in three days type thing. I'm like, I don't believe that you have lived that.
3: Hmm. Yeah,
1: and there's a big difference between people showing up in the space who have lived, who are using their lived experience to allow them to be of service.
2: And there are those who are trying to tailor the experience of other people through the thing they've created. Hmm. So things like, you know, the hierarchical system of a corporate world, there are
1: relationships that you kind of are expected to forge with certain people by saying certain things, by helping in certain ways. That, that in itself is sales, people come into a middle management position or you know an entry-level position and there is an element of sales to it which means that i have to interpret what i think you need or you want in order for me to be of value to
2: you mm-hmm. moving forward that you will have my loyalty that you can understand my brand it, it starts
1: with the individual. Brand starts with the individual because the words that are used in those huge billion dollar contexts have filtered down. That's the way, that's the vocabulary that is used. And there is a societal, um, cultural understanding of what those words mean, which is what makes interviews weird to me. <laughs> Because I, I just imagine someone at the desk with a tick box of going, uh, you know, hardworking, empty box, determined, empty box, um, team player, empty box. And if they come in, it's like a little bingo thing. <laughs> like, well, why should we give you this job? I'm hardworking. I'm determined. I'm passionate. I'll, you know, I'm a team player. Bing, 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 bing. We all understand the words. So if we all know what these words mean in the context of this thing, it makes them valueless. Because it's not said with intention. It's not said with, this is who I am. I can tell the difference between someone who says, I'm passionate about crochet, and someone who goes into an interview space and goes, Well, I'm passionate, and I'm the, and I'm, and I'm, there's a big difference. I see that person's body
2: embody passion Mm. when they say the word crochet. And, so, so there's something with the system
1: that is not leading through values, it's leading through checkboxes. Mm. That we have to understand the system in order to win the system. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, there's a whole conversation we could go through in terms of <laughs> hiring and uh, I certainly have a different yeah. way of doing that. But um, I've just yeah. looked at the clock here, I haven't been watching it and <laughs> we have been going oh, wow. quite... <laughs> Quite a while and <laughs> i flies when you're having fun but uh, this is this has been absolutely fascinating conversation Paul and I think there's lots of value there and lots of things that we can apply in in entrepreneurship and business and and in any relationship and and after all um, making marketing human is all about relationships so um it's a good point now to move on to the buzz which is our innovation round and it's five questions to hopefully give our listeners something to take away and take action on today. So hopefully you will give us some real snappy answers and um, we'll uh, push through it. So what's the number one thing you think anyone needs to do to be more innovative?
2: Be curious. Mm. Love it. Yeah, ask ask questions. Be genuinely
1: interested in something. There is something in this world that you are curious about in this moment and you're allowed to go find it.
0: Yeah, I love that. And, you know, it comes back to what you're saying earlier about, you know, you don't need the answer right now, but if, if you've got that curiosity and, um, genuine interest, um, that's important, I think. So that's certainly, and then connecting the dots from there. What's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas?
1: Uh, well, I don't know if you're going to ask me my favorite resource, but it's tied in with my favorite okay. resource.
0: yeah, that's the next question. <laughs> You've been studying the script.
2: A pad and paper getting super basic mm. because there's something different about, like,
1: typing on a device mm. and something about holding, holding a pencil. Yeah. It's a tiny pencil. I've, I've sharpened it to the, <laughs> the end of its life. And a piece of paper where nobody's going to see it, Nobody needs to see it. You can rub it out. You can change your mind. It's a, it's a really low stakes way of being vulnerable by writing down words that you never thought you'd say or even think with the opportunity to rub it out, not through shame, mm-hmm. but maybe because it brings another thought through yeah. and you want space for that. So you get to choose which words you erase, get what you write down, whether you turn it over, how you use that space. It really allows for creativity and most curiosity at the same time
3: yeah
0: i love it i'm i'm um, probably the one of the most technical uh, fans of technology and i love getting everything onto the computer and because then it's then it doesn't take up physical space but i do have mm-hmm. this is one of my favorite pencils it's one it's a uh, what is it a cross pencil mm-hmm. and so i use that but i've also got these things in my little Novabuzz mug mm-hmm. they're yeah. a set of lamy fountain pens and all different colors. So I like writing in fountain pen on paper yes. with colors and that that a is little. a totally different feeling than like you say than typing on paper. And if I'm sitting down thinking or just writing out some content ideas, I often start there.
1: Right. Yeah, because, I mean, you talking about colors before, we attach feelings mm. to color. So, yeah, I mean, the paper is the core thing. And then just get whatever implements you want to write with. Yeah, multiple colors, pencil crayons, crayons, fountain pens. I love a fountain mm. pen. Um, yeah, I love that idea. And just And you get to choose. Again, it's about practicing low stakes ways of making conscious choice. And in that moment, if you choose the green yeah. pen or the blue pen, doesn't matter. But it does matter because you get to make that choice and feel what that feels
2: like yeah. to have agency.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Now, the best way to keep a client
2: on track. Oh, this is a tricky one. Cause I, cause I don't, cause with this adoption of like no
1: destination, yeah. like not having the answers, the, the track.
0: It's not,
1: no. I think, I think the way I, I stop people or invite people back from the paved path mm. so what i do is rather than keeping them on track i will actually get them off the track that they know into just choosing the next mm. first step
0: for them to help them help and them realize that they've got a choice now they don't have to they're not they're not yeah. like a train that has to stay on on this track
1: yeah but just cuz the ground that they don't know doesn't mean there's a big snake there that's gonna poison them. Right? Right. So they just get to practice that next step by next step. And it might cross over the paved path. Mm. It might go over a place that they recognize and then they're going somewhere else. So yeah, it's all great. Yeah.
0: And you know, the snake will only hurt you if it bites you. So
1: <laughs> Right, yeah, otherwise it's a beautiful... Yeah, exactly. You know, a, a beautiful part of the animal world. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah.
0: All right, and the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves. Stop trying to differentiate yourself.
1: <laughs> well, I, well, this is really specific, actually, because if our energy, we are talking about this before, if the energy is trying mm. to find the way that you are different, yeah. it's mm-hmm. very different from making a conscious choice, feeling what's true for you and saying the words that feel true for you, and knowing that, you you are different by standard. No one's had your exact exact well, lived experience. No one's had all the knowledge that you've got in you know blah blah blah. You are different by standard. So don't try to differentiate. Just trust that that difference
0: is a constant. Yeah. So it's it it comes back to me. It comes back a lot to you know being really self aware and and knowing yourself and and being aware that you do have choices in every given instant. Somebody
2: yeah. said to me, yeah, by not." Yeah.
0: somebody said to me, "We're all born different, so don't die the same. Don't die the same, and don't try to be the same." Right?
1: Yeah, and because everyone else is trying to differentiate themselves, yeah. if you are trying, you are differentiating yourself <laughs> yeah. by not differentiating yourself.
3: No word Love it. <laughs>
0: Great. All right. Well, thanks, Paul. This has been fabulous. We've gone on for quite some time now. Where can people find out more about? your work, what you do, and maybe even reach out and get in touch to say thanks for what you've shared. Uh,
1: my website is paulsocket.com, that's socket with two t's, dot com, um, and I use that space as a bit of a playground for multiple things, as the coaching and the workshop, there is uh, writing and all of those different things, and uh, you can also find me on Instagram, at soul Pocket, pocket with one t, and... <laughs> It was a bit of a game years ago, and I've just kept it because I like it. And um, those are the the main places you can find me.
0: Okay. And we'll have those links in the show notes for people
2: to click through on. Right. Now, do you have some parting advice for our listener today? You're enough. Hmm. As you are. I love it. Yeah. In this moment, you are everything you need, and you always have a choice.
0: Yeah, I love it. All right, Well, um finally who else should I get on this show and why?
1: I think I think Jeff mentioned Angie Cole. Um she's a she's a powerful powerful coach and uh, sage. <laughs> <laughs> um and a coach and she's or she's uh, got content around uh, money value and worth.
3: Mhm. Uh
1: which is uh, really powerful. Um uh, who else? I mean, the thing is, Jeff Harry kind of mentions all the names. He's just must have <laughs> yeah, connected. I'm like, oh, yeah. and there's Lauren. Oh, yeah. No, he's mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I have had a conversation with Lauren Yee. So we're going to bring her on the show soon. Yeah. I, um, I'm not sure that we've already contacted Angie, but we certainly will.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my mind's gone blank. I'm now. That was the one question I didn't prepare for, and I can always reach out and uh and let you know later,
0: sure, yeah, well, happy to take on further suggestions later anyway. great right. all right, well, thanks so much for sharing your time and your insight so generously with us today, Paul. This has been a fascinating conversation. I think we've sort of gone off on different tangents, but there's been lots there that I think you know if you look beyond the politics beyond the the romantic relationship stuff it's all about you know human relationships and interacting with one another in a way that's respectful and a way that we don't have this win-lose black white um, red green up down left right whatever it is dichotomy that that's actually everything is actually a continuum and that we're all connected in some way, so that we should aim for win-win
2: Yeah, I love it. Yes, absolutely.
0: Thanks for that and all the best for the future. Let's stay in touch. Thanks, Jürgen. Thanks for the conversation. I hope you enjoyed that insightful and really delightful conversation with Paul and took something away from his episode. I think the core of all the messages in this episode was be human, be yourself, be curious and genuinely interested in other people and what's going on around us. I'd love to know what you took away from Paul's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Paul Socket. That is P-A-U-L-S-O-C-K-E-T-T. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Paul Socket. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Paul, as well as links to his website, his social media pages and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. If you like this episode, then please share it with a couple of other people that it might help. Tag me in on that share and I'll reach out to you with a special thank you gift for sharing this and helping other people. Paul suggested that we have a conversation with business coach Angie Cole of Untaming the Wild on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Angie, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Paul Socket. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including Jerome Cortote from SalesFlare, And Trey Taylor, author of A CEO Does Only Three Things. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from Innovabiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.